a packed courtroom in Miami yesterday morning. Former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to the 37 criminal charges brought against him. Trump's accused of illegally retaining top-secret documents in his home in Mar-a-Lago, some of which contained information related to national defense. Now, to learn more about where the case goes from here and its implications, we're joined by Will Howell. He's chair of the Political Science Department at the University of Chicago and director of the school's Center for Effective Government. Welcome back, Will. Hey, it's great to be with you, Sasha. I mentioned briefly what Trump's being accused of, but just remind us, under what law is it illegal to retain these documents that he had? Uh, well, there's there's a whole host of laws that uh, pertain to um, national security documents. Um, and uh, it, the president, um, an outgoing president, is obliged to hand them over upon leaving office. And um, And the problem here is not just that he didn't hand them over, it's that upon being asked repeatedly, he he uh, ducked and dodged, um, and um, and and he and in the indictments that were presented yesterday, he was he showed that he knew what he was doing. Um, yeah. It's it this is this is really a problem. And so we're clear beyond having the documents in Mar-a-Lago. Was Trump doing anything else illegal with them? Well, it was holding them. That's their host of indictments associated with actually retaining them in his possession. Then their concerns about obstruction of justice and lying to the FBI as well. Trump's pointed to examples of uh, President Biden and, and former Vice President Mike Pence also having classified documents in their homes but not being criminally charged. Are those fair comparisons, though? Um, it is uh, fair. Um, well, let's put quotes around fair. I mean, there are um, – it is the case that classified documents appear in the possession of former presidents. Um, the trouble here is – Twofold. First, it's just how important these documents were, that these were laying out military plans, um, nuclear capabilities. Um, and then again, the repeated efforts by Trump to stymie um, the, the efforts of the federal government to, to acquire them. Um, and there's not much evidence that um, that certainly with regards to Biden, that there was um, that, that he was trying to keep them in his possession um, uh, over the objections of the federal government. Right. So you've made clear here the, uh, a difference in, in the seriousness of, of charges here, right, just between simply having the documents versus having them and not giving them back when asked for them. Really uh, underscore for us why this is a national security risk, though, Will. Um, look, there are reasons why um, these things are held in confidence. Um, they they have to do with plans for military action against Iran was one uh-huh. um, in case um, they, they have to do with the most sensitive state secrets with regards to nuclear capabilities. These are not things that are meant to be shared broadly. And according to the indictments, there's evidence of him not just holding them in his possession, but sharing them with people who lack security clearances. And we don't know what his um, larger motives were in, in retaining them in his possession. Um, this is this is really a matter of, of, of serious concern. This is not just about paperwork. Will Nada, who's a, a personal aide to Trump, was also indicted in this case. Now, he's charged with a single count of conspiracy and obstruction of justice. What do we know about him? Well, I think an interesting fact about this case is, is that people close to Trump have been indicted, um, but that also, moreover, um, some of the evidence that's been brought forward um, it comes through lawyers to Trump. Um, and so one of the things that we should be watching as we go forward in the court case is um, what kind of evidence is allowed to be uh, put before a jury. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there, there are concerns about attorney-client um, privileges here. Um, that it's, so it's both in terms of who is being charged, but also where the evidence against Trump is being come for is coming from. Um, both of those things implicate members of his team. Judge Eileen Cannon's been assigned to the case, and she was appointed during the Trump administration and previously gave a ruling in his favor uh, regarding this documents investigation. How did she get assigned to this case, Will? And, and what does that tell us about how it may proceed? So these, at, at this level, the, uh, the judges are, are selected randomly, and, and we don't have any evidence that anything other than a random selection yielded her name to oversee this, this particular case. When we think about the significance of her overseeing it, there's, I mean, our attention naturally drifts towards the ultimate ruling that she might render mm-hmm. um, or that a jury might render. Um, but there's a lot that happens before then about what kind of evidence is being able to pro- be brought forward and also what case this case proceeds. Um, all signs point towards the Trump team looking to delay and put off the case as long as possible and to bring it as deep into the 2024 presidential elections as possible. Um, yeah. And when we think about um, a, a, a Trump appointee overseeing um, a Trump um, case, uh, we should we should be watching for her rulings on these procedural matters because they're going to matter. They're, they're, they're going to matter a bunch as well. Speaking of the, the 2024 race, Republicans have largely rallied around the former president, including most of his rivals in the primary. What do you make of that? Well, this is this this case is playing into a longstanding narrative mm-hmm. of Trump that he is persecuted and embattled and entreated unfairly at every turn, and he's going to and he appears to be at the short at least in the short term succeeding in creating as little space as possible for um, any any competitors within the Republican Party, foremost among them DeSantis, to make up the considerable ground to lay claim to the the nomination. Mm. Um, He's squeezing them, and it's making making it awfully difficult for them to create distance, to offer a full-throated alternative voice about the direction of the Republican Party when this is going on. Um, And he sees this, he being Trump and, and, and his advisors, see this as an opportunity to to accelerate the, the the his his ascension to um, to the nomination. Yeah, so they think it'll help them. So stepping back though from this particular case, will what impact do you think Trump's conduct and these charges are, are going to mean for the future of the U.S. presidency more broadly? Well, I think there's a lot at stake and and potentially a lot disruptive in. The intermediate and long term, when we look back 5, 10, 15 years hence, and we think about what the status of the rule of law is and, and people's trust in government and, um, and, and the behavior of future presidents, I think a lot of the stake. A thing that I'm struck by in this instance, though, is that as astonishing as these rulings are um, and these – excuse me, as these, um, as these charges are, and they truly are unprecedented and astonishing – um, in the short term, I don't anticipate them having much of a disruptive effect at all on the presidential election. What they do is they affirm democratic opposition to um, a candidate who they see as wholly unfit mm-hmm. um, to, for office, and and they affirm Republicans' views that um, Trump is their man and he's being treated unfairly at every turn and we need to rally to his defense. And so in that sense, um, it solidifies and accelerates the same dynamics that played out in 2020 mm-hmm. um, and puts us on a track towards a, a, a rematch in 2024. 
Will Howell is chair of the political science department at the University of Chicago and director of the school's Center for Effective Government. Thank you, Will. It's great to be with you.